Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello and welcome into a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of Mile High Sports. You can actually find all of my work over at milehighsports.com under the Nuggets tab. You'll see reporting, you'll see features, you'll see uh, you know Q&As, you'll see roundtables, you'll see podcasts all over the website. Also, if you wanted to actually see everything else that I do on my Twitter, make sure to follow me at TJ McBride MBA on Twitter. You may have noticed a different intro song. That's because Rod Simba and Tune of the Regulators Production Group actually hooked up the Mile High Sports and the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast with the new intro and outro music. So definitely follow them on Instagram. That's Rod Simba, R-O-D-S-M-B-A, and then Tune is just T-O-O-N, and then Regulators Production Group. They're awesome people. They hooked us up big with this, and I I don't know about you guys, but as a hip-hop aficionado, it's to have an actual hip-hop beat bringing us into this podcast just makes me a little happier than I normally would be. So again, go follow um, go follow Rod Simba on Instagram. That's R O D S Y M B A, and then also make sure you follow Regulators Production Group as well. This is going to be a pretty loaded podcast. The Nuggets just finished beating the Oklahoma City Thunder in Oklahoma City by a score of 105-98. to um, It was a blowout in the first half. The Nuggets were up by 25 at one point, but the game got you know into the single digits for the majority of the fourth quarter. Um, really just a wild game back and forth. Gary Harris did not play tonight um, due to his left ankle soreness. Not an Achilles injury, as Michael Malone said in his post-game press conference against the Magic, it is a left ankle injury. And because of that, he actually sat out tonight, and I think he probably could have played if it was a playoff-type game or a game that the Nuggets desperately needed to win, but the Nuggets have two off days coming up before they take on the Lakers on Tuesday, so sitting Gary Harris for this game on the second night of a back-to-back allows him to get three full days to rest, so that's a big deal for him. So Gary Harris ended up resting tonight, which means Torrey Craig slid into the starting lineup for the Nuggets, um, alongside Juan. Hernan Gomez, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic, and Jamal Murray. What transpired from there on out is the Nuggets were just defending their asses off start to finish. 
the effort they played with tonight was incredible. Um, we'll talk more about the defense as we go. Um, probably the Nuggets' best player tonight. If there was a quote-unquote game ball to give out, it would probably be Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray had 22 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists tonight in 39 minutes. He wasn't particularly efficient from the floor. He was 9 of 23 from the field and 2 of 6 from 3. But when you put up 22, 8, and 8 in a winning effort on the road against a division opponent on the second night of a back-to-back I don't care what the efficiency is that was a very very important game from Jamal Murray to allow the Nuggets to secure a very very big win for them so we'll talk about Jamal Murray quite a bit Um, we'll also talk about how the Nuggets lead evaporated in the second half and what went into their defense also starting to struggle even though they were still playing a lot of effort there was some stretches where their defense just kind of collapsed and I think it's directly related to the way that they were playing offensive basketball and we'll get into how their defense and offense are kind of intertwined in terms of their efficiency Um, we'll also talk about what's going on with Nikola Jokic Jokic again a very very rough night shooting 6 of 20 from the field and 0 of 7 from three-point distance tonight Um, so we'll get into what my thoughts are on why Nikola Jokic is struggling so much but also how important it was that he stayed aggressive even though his shots were not falling the fact that he kept he kept shooting was a very very good sign if you ask me and that's something that was very very notable I thought. Um, we'll also get into Denver's defense being for real. We'll get into, get into Denver's bench unit being for real. We'll hit on some Twitter questions, and we'll talk about the Nuggets' upcoming schedule to finish out the podcast. So before we get into all of that, let me give you a quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, I just wanted to remind everybody that we are presented by Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flower and concentrates, as well as all of the brands that you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves at having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come into one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. All right, let's just dive into all of the chaos that transpired on a Saturday night in Oklahoma City. So, First and foremost, Jamal Murray flirted with a triple-double and really stepped up in Gary Harrison's absence. The most important part of Jamal Murray's game tonight, I thought, was the fact that he was able to put out eight assists. Yes, the 22 points were important, but 22 points on 23 shots is not very efficient, even though the Nuggets needed every last point that he gave them. But the fact that he was able to supplement his inefficient shooting night with eight assists was a really big deal, and it got everybody else kind of in a fluid offensive motion, and it made it feel like... For, for so long this season, Jamal Murray has seemingly played a different brand of offensive basketball from the other four starters. Tonight, it seemed like he was integral into everything they were doing, and he was involved, and there was no strain between Jamal and the rest of the offense. So that was great. Eight rebounds is great. Two of them being offensive is great. Um, he only had three turnovers in the night as well. Um, he did pass somebody into a shot clock violation, so he probably could have had three or maybe, or he could have had four or maybe even five turnovers but overall he took care of the ball pretty solidly except for when he dealt with some pretty intense ball pressure and those eight assists were a big deal um 
And the scoring, even though it was inefficient, he was able to get eight big points in the fourth quarter and overall was just very strong. And now over the last seven games, he hasn't been shooting well. So over the last seven games, Jamal Murray is shooting just 41.1% from the field and 34.2% from three, but he's averaging 6.1 assists per game against just 2.7 turnovers. That's huge. I mean, that's been the biggest knock on Jamal Murray is that he's lacked the ability to play with a point guard type skill set. That seems to be starting to change. I don't know if it's a comfortability thing. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but Jamal is improving and he's improving pretty quickly as a playmaker and as a creator for this Nuggets team. So that's notable. And the other thing that was very notable from his game tonight was the fact that he was very good defensively. I thought that he battled all night. He's going to have missteps. He's not the most, you know, he wasn't built to be a defender. That is not what his skill set leans towards, but he played with a ton of effort and when you look at the box score, he was a big part in helping the Nuggets shut down the guard play of the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder played three guards tonight. They played Dennis Schroeder, Russell Westbrook, and Timothy Luwawa Cabarro. Um, overall, those three guards, they combined to shoot just 12 of 43 from the field. Um, Russell Westbrook had 16 points, but he was 6 of 23 shooting and 1 of 12 from 3. Dennis Schroeder was 5 of 14 from the field, even though he did have 8 points. Uh, Timothy Luawa Cabarro was 1 of 6 from the field. Jamal Murray was a direct um, part of the Nuggets being able to slow down the guard play of the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I thought his defense was great as well. So it's good to see Jamal Murray rounding out his entire game, even if his shot isn't falling the way that he hopes. And even though his shot wasn't falling tonight, he came up with 22 big points. And again, the Nuggets needed every last point that he gave them tonight. The next piece that I really wanted to hit on from the Nuggets win over the Thunder was the fact that their defense was great again. I mean, they held Oklahoma City to just 35.9% shooting from the field and 23.1% from three. Overall, I mean, there was just nothing the Thunder could do. Like, they could not get in a roll. I mean, when you shoot 37 of 103 and from the field and 9 of 39 from three, that's just, like, yes, people miss shots, and teams are going to miss shots, but the Nuggets were pushing them into bad shots, and the Nuggets were running shooters off the line, and they were playing with tons of aggression. They were closing out with tons of of, with tons of tenacity they were also able to grab six steals and had nine blocks tonight I mean their defense again I mean it's nothing special they don't have lockdown defenders they don't have guys who are just such incredible defensive stoppers that they make everybody around them better this is just five guys on a basketball court communicating playing on a string and giving maximum effort every single possession down the floor and that has directly led to this nuggets team being 13 and 7 after 20 games their defense has been undeniable and when you go down the list of players that were great tonight defensively first and foremost you have to start with Tory Craig Tory Craig started for Gary Harris tonight specifically so he could match up with Russell Westbrook. He was probably on Russell Westbrook more than anybody tonight by a fair amount, and he held him to, again, 6 of 23 from the field, 1 of 12 from the three-point line, and forced him into four turnovers tonight. Yes, Westbrook had a triple-double, but I just don't care about that. The lack of efficiency and the lack of control over the game was 100% signified that even though Russell Westbrook had a triple-double, he struggled tonight in in many, many, many ways. So Torrey Craig, man, was just an animal defensively tonight. There's not enough good things you can say about him. 
And then going down the list again, Mason Plumley, man, that dude was just flying around. I mean, what did he have? Four blocks tonight. He had four of the Nuggets, nine blocks on his own. He Timothy Lawawa Cabarro tried to poster dunk him. That did not work. Uh, Mason Plumley basically blocked him into the first row of seating under the baseline. And again, like he was blocking Stephen Adams, he was blocking Jeremy Grant, he was blocking everybody. His rim protection tonight was phenomenal. And then. On top of that, when he got switched out on the perimeter, he did a very good job of moving his feet, staying in front of guys, and keeping the defense playing fundamentally sound. It's so hard for the Nuggets to play an aggressive brand of defense because the communication has to be perfect. When you hedge up the floor and you try and limit the guard penetration by having the big jump out to help the guard contain, you're leaving somebody open, which means you're forcing the weak side defenders to rotate earlier and quicker, and they have to all be on a string because when one person rotates, that leaves somebody else open. And when someone rotates them, that leaves the next person open. So it's literally multiple efforts by every single player on the floor for the Nuggets defense to be able to make this defensive philosophy work. And that starts and ends with Mason Plumley as this just de facto defensive anchor of this bench unit. And again, tonight, because, you know, Nikola Jokic had some foul trouble tonight. He ended up with four fouls, but he had, I believe he had his fourth early in the third quarter, and he had three in the first half. And that led to uh, Mason Plumlee playing 20 minutes tonight, and, and Nikola played 27. So to have Mason Plumlee be that defensive anchor was a very big deal, and it led directly to the Nuggets being able to take care of business against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then Monte Morris, too. I've talked about all the guard play and the limiting of the Oklahoma City guards, but Monte Morris was so good against Dennis Schroeder. I mean, I don't think that Monte Morris only had one personal foul, but he was physical. And it wasn't just Schroeder. He had a couple possessions against um, Russell Westbrook in which he stymied Westbrook going to the rim. There were so many moments where you were just looking at around and being like, man, like Monte is making some incredible defensive plays and he's just bothering guys. And that's why he ended up with two steals on the night. I mean, go down the list. Trey Lyles was great defensively tonight. Jamal Murray was fighting defensively tonight. Nikola Jokic in his 27 minutes was bought in on defense. Paul Millsap is always a strong defender. Wancho Hernan Gomez was a big reason that Paul George was 8 of 21 from the field tonight. Like... It doesn't matter what player you, what name you pull out of a hat of guys who played against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Every single one of them was great on defense, I thought, and it shows in the box score that Oklahoma City was, you know, they ended up missing almost seventy shots tonight. Like when you miss sixty, yeah, sixty-six shots in one game, that's not just having an off shooting night. That is also because the defense was just ferocious, and the Nuggets' defense were they were swarming tonight, and it was a great look. And we'll talk about this a little bit later when I get into the Twitter questions, but it's hard to not give the Nuggets defense some validity that this level of play can be sustained over the rest of the season. I'll talk a little bit more about that later in the podcast, but just to preface it, it does seem like this defense is legit. The next order of business from the Nuggets win was that the bench unit once again was just phenomenal. I mean, the Nuggets starting unit was not very good to begin this game. They struggled in a lot of ways. They weren't locked in on offense. They weren't creating great looks like you would hope. And the bench unit came in in that first quarter and finished the first quarter outscoring the Thunder by eight points. And that immediately set the tone and it gave the Nuggets the momentum they needed. And it gave them the confidence they needed just to continue pressuring this Thunder team. I mean, 
again, going up and down the box score, it's pretty incredible to see the amount of efficiency that the Nuggets can get from their bench unit, and it was led by Trey Lyles tonight. Trey Lyles had 16 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist, and um, only 1 turnover, but he was a perfect 6 of 6 from the field, 2 of 2 from the 3-point line, and 2 of 2 from the free throw line, and he did that in 19 minutes. When the when the Nuggets have Trey Lyles playing at a high level, they're almost always going to be able to beat out the opposition's reserve unit. I mean, Trey Lyles was 16 points. Mason Plumlee had 11 points on 4 of 8 shooting. We already talked about how good he was on defense, but he had 2 assists tonight that were very high-level assists. Monte Morris had 6 assists, 0 turnovers tonight, and a couple big buckets, or he had a big bucket and a uh, foul drawn in that 4th quarter that was desperately important too. Malik Beasley hit a big 3 in that game and had 5 points and 3 rebounds. The Nuggets bench unit just continually keeps carrying this team when they need it most, and it's pretty evident when you go, when you look at it that Monte Morris is a plus seven, Trey Lyles is a plus five, Malik Beasley is a plus eight, and this is in a game where the Nuggets won by seven points. The bench unit has been really becoming a weapon and something that the Nuggets can rely on, and it's changed the equation. When you look at the Nuggets from last season, their bench unit would collapse and they would like completely obliterate the lead that the starters would give to them, and it was really. I mean, it was like an anchor dragging the Nuggets team down further than they should have ever been last year. And a big reason for that was that they just didn't have a point guard. And now that they have Monte Morris operating this and, you know, orchestrating this bench unit in the way that he has, they've completely taken gigantic steps forward. And without the Nuggets bench unit, there's no way they're 13-7 and throughout their first 20 games. They have been phenomenal, and it's hard to find any fault in their game, and it's the same thing with how they were tonight against the Thunder. They are just legit. It just is what it is, and it was incredible to see how, how many different ways they were able to impact the game against the Thunder. It is time to get into a couple things that did not go well for the Nuggets against the Thunder. So while most things were positive overall, when you take and have a 25-point lead at one point, and it turns into a single-digit game by the end, by the, you know the end of the fourth quarter. Something went very, very wrong, and the Nuggets in that second half they just kind of started falling apart for almost the entire third quarter and a big chunk of the fourth quarter. They were outscored 56 to 42 in that second half. In in my opinion, what happened with that Nuggets? Or what happened with the Nuggets in the second half was that, first off, they started turning the ball over in um, live ball settings. They didn't have a ton of turnovers. It was the way they were turning the ball over, and it was leading directly to points for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Once they started turning the ball over, their defense began to struggle because the Thunder were getting out in transition. And when a team plays in transition, they tend to be a more effective offensive team than when they're playing in the half court. And then, since the, all of a sudden, the Thunder offense began to click because the Nuggets were turning the ball over, Denver's offense began to take big step backs because all of a sudden, they were just taking the ball out from the baseline after a made basket and playing against a set defense almost every possession. And that really, it, it's, it's pretty incredible to watch the snowball effect happen in live time. 
because the Nuggets offense and their defense are so intertwined in both ways in terms of the offense stimulates the defense and the defense stimulates the offense that when you take one of those pieces away, things start to get very shaky for the Nuggets overall as a team. And that's exactly what happened against the, against the Thunder. The offense became stagnant, then they began turning the ball over, which led directly to the Thunder's offense going off, and that led to the Denver defense struggling. I mean, there, it's, it's so connected. Connected. And when Denver's defense finally got back into the game is when Denver took control of the game once again because suddenly it was Denver forcing turnovers. It was De- it was Denver forcing the Thunder to take the ball out from under the basket every time because the Nuggets were getting easy baskets again. So the Nuggets need their defense to stimulate their offense, and when their offense is humming, their defense tends to improve as well. So it's just it was very interesting to watch how when one thing went wrong, it created a chain reaction throughout the rest of the Nuggets' schemes, from offensively, defensively, whatever it is. And when the when the second one of them kind of starts to snap back into place, whether it's the offense or the defense, the other soon follows, and it makes me very excited because if the Nuggets can get their offense and defense on the same page functioning at a high level simultaneously they're going to become just ridiculously deadly as a team they have so much talent and when that starts to connect and they can get both ends of the floor functioning at a high level this team is going to take off in a big way and I'm very excited to see what they look like when that does finally happen because this team has the talent and if it all gets put together man I don't even know. I mean, the Nuggets are already on pace for over 50 wins right now, and it seems like they are so far from their ceiling. There is so much more upwards trajectory that they can make, and I'm excited to see where they end up by the end of the season. The last negative thing that I want to get into before we get into some Twitter questions and talk about what the Nuggets have coming up next is whatever the hell is going on with Nikola Jokic. So we talk, I, I touched on it a little bit, but Nikola Jokic was 6 of 20 from the field tonight. That's a 30% field goal percentage and a terrible 0 of 7 from 3. He had 4 turnovers against 5 assists and just didn't seem locked in. Funny enough, though, in the 27 minutes that Nikola Jokic was on the floor, the Nuggets outscored the, the Thunder by 15 points. That was the highest plus-minus on the team. But... 6 of 20, there's something going on with Nikola, and it's hard to place my finger on. I really don't know quite what it is, because I've never seen his shot look this bad. I mean, Nikola Jokic missed a point-blank layup at the rim tonight. That does not happen. Like, it wasn't even contested, and he just missed the shot. Over the last four games, Nikola Jokic is averaging 12.3 points per game on 32.8% shooting from the field and a measly 17.4% from three. Again, I have never seen his shot look this bad. I've seen him not shoot, but to see him miss this many shots, I, I don't have a point of reference for it. And it's something that's really starting to make me nervous because maybe he's hurt in some way. I don't know, but I've never seen Nikola Jokic look this off. Um, the one thing that I I will say was that it was really important that he stayed aggressive even though his shot wasn't falling. The Nikola Jokic of the past few years when he started seeing his shot not fall in the first and second quarter, he usually would stop shooting. But Nikola kept shooting and kept shooting and kept shooting. And by the time that that fourth quarter finally came around, shots finally started falling for the Nuggets, for Nikola Jokic in particular. Jokic ended up fi- um, the, in the fourth quarter, I believe he had yeah he had nine points. It was on three of eight shooting, but got to the free throw line four times. And nine of his 16 points came in that final quarter. So 
the fact that he kept shooting was a big reason that the Nuggets were able to pull out this win because when their offense fell apart, Nikola Jokic was able to score just enough as a go-to score and just bully guys in the post when he needed to to get the Nuggets over the hump when things just weren't going right. But something is off with his shot. Hopefully, it'll just come back and he's just in a slump. But this has not been the same talent level from Nikola Jokic that we have been accustomed to over the past few years. So hopefully he can get back. The fact that the Nuggets were able to win with Nikola Jokic shooting 6 of 20 from the field on the second night of a back-to-back without Gary Harris, without Will Barton, in Oklahoma City in one of the toughest arenas to play in, um, it was very, very impressive that they were able to get that win. But if Nikola Jokic is anywhere near what he was able to do last year and even the year before, then this is a game the Nuggets just walk away with easily. And they could have beaten this Thunder team by 20, 30 points. But he, he just wasn't quite there in that sense. He wasn't dominant. He hasn't been dominant in a while. It's good to see his passing coming back. I will say this. His... The joy and the flash and the pizzazz of his passing, it's back. He's flamboyant again. hes It looks like he's having fun playing offensive basketball. So hopefully, with the playmaking returning, hopefully his shot starts to return as well because it'll, again, put the Nuggets to a whole different level. It is time to get to my favorite part of podcasting, and that is answering all the fans' questions on Twitter. So let's dive in. Um, Jacob on Twitter asked, Do you expect the Nuggets' defense will stay at this level all year? I was so hesitant to say yes to this question for, I guess I would say, 19 games. But now that the Nuggets are 20 games in, they're the fourth best defense in all of basketball, and they've. it just seems like they've bought in. I don't know if schematically they'll be able to continue being a top five defense because I think you can scout this defense a little bit. When the team hedges this much, as long as you slip the screen with the big, you can usually get the defense scrambling very early in the possession. So I do think that opposing teams are going to start figuring out how to scheme for this Nuggets defense, but the effort, the communication, the buy-in, the intensity, the fact that the Nuggets feel like they win games when they play hard defensively, I think all of that is here to stay. So I do think that the Nuggets can hang out in that 104 to 106 defensive rating area, which will make them almost guaranteed a top 15 defense, very likely a top 10 defense, and maybe if things go all well and the Nuggets continually find ways to exploit other teams' offensive issues, they could be a top five defense. I don't think it's crazy. I think the idea that it's not absurd to say that the Nuggets could be a top five defense is the most enlightening part of this. And I think that it's 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 fair. It's fair to say that the Nuggets could be a top five defense by the time that game 82 finishes in the regular season. They have been great so far this year. They've been bought in. They're battling. And it's all started with the mindset that they have. And props to Michael Malone for getting them to buy in in that way. Uh, Josh on Twitter asked, has Jamal Murray's struggle shooting the ball overshadowed his improvement as a playmaker and a rebounder? Yes. Yes, they have, and they shouldn't, but they have. Jamal Murray is looked at as a lethal scorer. That is who, what is what his skill set is. So when all of a sudden his shot stops falling or he becomes you know, a, a struggling offensive player, people are going to be more frustrated about that than the improvements he made in parts of his game that were not directly involved in his skill set. 
So I do want to take time to be like, yes, Jamal Murray has improved immensely as a um, as a playmaker. He's improved immensely as a rebounder, and he's also improved immensely as a defender in the past, you know, seven or eight games or so that he's been struggling shooting from the field. So he has to get credit for that because he has found ways to impact this game even when everything is kind of going wrong for him in terms of the way that he wants to play. So big ups Jamal Murray for being able to find ways to positively impact the game even when things are going awry. There are some turnover issues that I am very skeptical about and very nervous about, and I want to see those improve, but overall, Jamal Murray has been a very, very talented 21-year-old point guard in the NBA. Um, I just can't wait to see how much more he can improve because I would like for him to prove me wrong. I know I've been critical of a lot of his playmaking and point guard type skills, but it seems like he is improving in a lot of those ways, and I can't wait to see where he goes next with it. Um, And then the last question, there was actually the same question asked by two people, Jeff and Clint on Twitter asked, what would the rotation look like with both Barton and Isaiah Thomas back? I have been fighting with this for quite some time, and my thought is, is first of all, Monte Morris cannot be removed from the rotation. Full stop, end of the conversation, It there's nothing more to be said about that. Monte Morris has to be in this rotation. So with that being said, the Nuggets are going to have to play a lot of three-guard lineups. So if you consider Will Barton a guard, that means the Nuggets are going to have five guards in their rotation. So you'll start with Jamal, Gary, and Will. And then you'll have Isaiah playing the two guard and Monte playing the one, which means the bench unit will likely have one of Jamal, Gary, or Will Barton on the floor with them staggered. I imagine that'll be Jamal Murray, and I'm very, very curious to see what Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, and Isaiah Thomas look like together. I'm curious if Malone even experiments with it, but so far, Jamal Murray has been the one staggered to the bench unit, and I'm curious to see how that changes when Isaiah Thomas returns, but if they're going to play four guards, Will Barton, and then Trey Lyles, so you basically you're playing four guards, four bigs, and two wings at that point, which is a very strange rotation, but it's going to be interesting, so Jamal Murray, Gary Harris start, Isaiah Thomas, Monte Morris off the bench, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic start, Trey Lyles, Mason Plumlee off the bench. That means Will Barton is obviously the starting small forward, so that means there is only one more slot in the rotation left. And that means that two of Torrey Craig, Malik Beasley, or Wancho Hernan Gomez will be eliminated from this rotation. Only one player is going to get consistent minutes as the backup wing player off the bench, and that's only if Michael Malone is going to play a 10-man rotation. So it's going to be very, very tough for the Nuggets to build a rotation with this many guards and bigs, but there is an avenue to do so. I just don't know what those teams are going to look like. So there is going to probably be an experimentation, um, I guess, you know, time period that Malone is going to have to kind of figure things out. Hopefully the Nuggets get enough practice time in to where they're able to do that. But as of right now, it's looking like they're going to have to figure it out on the fly because Monte Morris cannot be removed from this rotation. He has been too good so far this year. That's really everything that I can think of that is important to take away from the Nuggets win over the Thunder. The Nuggets are now 13-7. and um, Coming up next, the Nuggets will end up facing off against the Lakers at the Pepsi Center on Tuesday. That means for the first time in about three weeks, the, the Nuggets are going to have more than just one single day off in between games. For the past three weeks, it's been game, off day, game, off day, game, off day. And what that does is... 
you don't really get enough rest time, first of all. There's not enough practice time to figure out and kind of, you know, you know, iron out some wrinkles that you may be having. And it doesn't allow guys to really catch their breath, especially when you're traveling as much as the Nuggets have. So to be able to get a day off on Sunday, the Nuggets will not practice tomorrow, which will be Sunday when you guys are probably listening to this. They'll most likely practice on Monday to kind of smooth out some stuff. And then on um, Tuesday morning, they'll have shoot-around. They'll play the Lakers Tuesday night. And then they hit the road for a five-game road trip. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Nuggets respond to this past three-game winning streak that they suddenly have now and start getting things rolling back towards um, back towards their winning ways. And this five-game road trip is going to show a lot of what the Nuggets have within them. If they can beat the Lakers and take a four-game winning streak into a five-game road trip in which they play some pretty good teams, like they play Charlotte, they play Orlando, who's not a bad team, they play Toronto, they play Portland. There's a lot of really good teams that they play in that road trip. So if they can go into that road trip and find a way to go five, you know, go two or two and three even after getting a four-game winning streak if they beat the Lakers that's going to be a recipe for success so it's going to be interesting to see where the Nuggets play out over the next week Um, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast it's been a very fun 20 games to start I appreciate everybody for listening Um, just a reminder to go follow me on Twitter at TJ McBride NBA follow Mile High Sports on Twitter at Mile High Sports go to milehighsports.com for all of your local Colorado sports team needs also make sure you go check out Rod Simba on on Instagram and the Regulators production crew. All of those guys are doing great work and they are the people who made the intro and outro to this podcast. Check out Terrapin Care Station. They're doing some Green Friday deals all the way through the weekend. So make sure you get in there and check that out. We'll have some more deals from them coming up in the near future. Um, let them know Mile High Sports sent you. Also, make sure you go subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Um, Please leave a comment, you know, leave a review, anything like that. Tell your friends about it. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, unsubscribe. They all add up for me. Anything you can do to help out, we really appreciate. And if you want to, you know, get if you want to work together, get some creative content going between me and anybody I don't currently talk to, reach out on my email, which is in my Twitter bio. It's tmcbride3793 at gmail. Um, again, it's in my Twitter bio at tj. McBride MBA, but thank you guys so much for listening. We, all of us at Mile High Sports, appreciate you endlessly, and there will be a lot more conversations coming up in the near future. Have a great rest of your weekend and enjoy your day. Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event.
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.